So I want to ask a question this morning. What big, scary step of faith has God been calling you to take that you haven't taken yet? What has God continued to place on your heart to do? You know he's calling you to do it, but so far you've just been too afraid to actually step out and do it. Because we know God doesn't just save us and leave us, right? As Christ followers, we're called to follow Jesus to something, to do something. What is that for you in this season of life? Maybe sense God calling you to change majors. Maybe you sense God calling you to propose to your girlfriend. Maybe sense God calling you to missions. Maybe to step into a new ministry opportunity. Guys, I don't know what God has been placing on your heart to do, but, but you know, because it's been there for months. And this morning, just as a guy who's a couple years ahead of you and as a pastor in town, I just want to say, like, do it. Do it. Step out in faith. Take a risk. Push your chips in. You say, well, I know what he's calling me to do. I'm just scared to do it. Well, that's my prayer for this message this morning. That for you and for me, right now, by God's spirit, through God's word, He'll bring us to a place where we can boldly say, here I am, send me. Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, or turn on your redemptive tech to Isaiah chapter 6. Side note, much of the sermon is uh, from a friend of mine, Pastor Kempton Turner. If you have any angry emails, just shoot them his way. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. God calls Isaiah into a life lived on mission for God. All right, so, so the people of Judah in Isaiah chapter 6, they're sinful, they're corrupt, they're wicked, and so God recruits Isaiah to become a prophet to those people. And, and if you're familiar with your Bible, you know how this passage ends. See it in verse 8. Isaiah says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And you guys, my question is, like how? How did Isaiah get to the place to say, okay God, wherever you want me, whatever you want me to do, here I am, send me. Why did Isaiah say yes to the mission of God? What did he see that made him say, what is the motivation for the mission. You ready for the answer? Jesus. <laughs> That's the answer always, right? Jesus. The reason Isaiah goes on mission is because he comes face to face with the glory of Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus, this is Old Testament. This is 700 years before Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, the best commentary on the Old Testament, it's not Matthew Henry, it's the New Testament. And when the Apostle John speaks of Isaiah in chapter 6, he says, John 12, 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Guys, if we want to step into what God is calling us to do, 
If we want to step into everything God is calling us to be, then this is the glory we must be gripped by. This is the sight we must never stop seeing. Let's see it together right now. Seven glimpses of Jesus that are the motivation for our mission. I want to pray one last time. Father, what Billy is seeing right now in fullness, we ask to see in shadows. Show us Jesus. Grip us with glory that we would say, here I am, send me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, seven glimpses, Isaiah 6-1, let's go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. All right, let's stop there. King Uzziah was an extremely beloved king by the people. He walked with the Lord, he prospered the nation, but if you remember, later in his life he gets proud, he goes into the temple when he's not supposed to, gets struck with leprosy, and dies. And so this is a national tragedy. And we know when a beloved leader unexpectedly dies, there is chaos, there is instability, there is uncertainty. So Isaiah says, okay, guys, at the time when there was chaos, when our beloved king died, everyone's freaking out. That's when I saw the Lord. You see, he's, he's using contrast. When the human king died, the real king was still king. That's our first point. Guys, we go because Jesus' reign is eternal. His reign is eternal. When Caesar was murdered in the shower, that's when I saw the Lord. When Lincoln was shot at the play, that's when I saw the Lord. When Hitler swallowed the cyanide pill, that's when I saw the Lord. When Kennedy was assassinated at the parade, that's when I saw the Lord. All kings and rulers have an end. King Jesus has no end. Isaiah says 9-7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hebrews 13 is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The first thing God wants Isaiah to know, and guys, the first thing he wants us to know this morning is that we can lean into what God is calling us to do because we have an unshakable, unchanging, everlasting king in Jesus Christ. Unlike Uzziah, Jesus will never die. He will never be defeated. He will never be dethroned. Just put this in your pocket for your worst day ahead. When chaos surrounds you, you'll see the Lord. When uncertainty encompasses you, you'll see the Lord. You can bank on it. But when everything inside of you wants to freak out, that's when I'll see the Lord. We do what God is calling us to do because Jesus' reign is eternal. Look in Isaiah 6.1, guys. We're just beginning in the year that King Uzziah died, here it is, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Point two, we go because Jesus is Lord. We go because he's 
Lord. The word Lord is Adonai. It it means ruler, master, or I love this, boss. Jesus Christ is the ultimate boss over all things. He's the Lord. So when Jesus comes to earth, we see in the gospels, he does miracles, right? And we need to know this. Miracles are not magic tricks, okay? Miracles are not for entertainment. The whole point of miracles is for Jesus to show off his lordship. So Jesus shows up to fish and commands them by the hundreds to jump into fishing nets to show off that he's the ruler over all fish and animal life. Jesus shows up to storms and commands them to shut up, to show off that he's the boss over all weather and uh, nature patterns. Jesus shows up to water. He commands it to hold him up. Why? To show off that he's the master over all water and gravity and physical realities in the universe. Jesus shows up to demon-possessed people and commands them, come out to show off that he is the master over all demonic activity and Satan himself. My favorite, John 11, Jesus shows up to a four-day dead man and with three words, Lazarus, come forth, brings that dead man to life to show off that he's the boss over our biggest problem, death itself. Billy Graham is rejoicing in that this, this morning. Jesus is Lord over all. Guys, that's why Isaiah says, I'll go. And it's why we must press into whatever he's placing on our hearts to do this morning. Do you know what the posture, the universal posture of someone who's come face to face with the Lord is? It's right here, right? And we say, take my life, take my money, Take my plans. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it. I'll say what you want me to say because you are Lord. Is that the posture of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Like Isaiah, you and I need to see Jesus as the one who has complete claim over our lives. Amen. We go because Jesus is eternal. We go because Jesus is Lord. Let's see another sight together. Verse one again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, what? Sitting upon a throne. Point three, we go because Jesus is sovereign king. All right, so who sits on thrones? Kings do, right? But don't miss the details. Glory lives in details. Isaiah 6, we get a glimpse into heaven to see what's going on (laughs) right now, and we see Jesus doing what on the throne? Sitting. In ancient monarchy, when a king was seated on his throne, that meant everything he has decreed has come to pass perfectly according to his plan. When a king took his seat, you guys, he's communicating to his kingdom, 
everything is under my control, mission accomplished, game over. Aren't you glad it doesn't say, I saw the Lord and he was pacing around the throne? Right, like, oh no, Father, Spirit. Guys, the way we live our lives, hear this. The way we live our lives, the way we answer the call reveals if we think Jesus is seated or pacing. One of the most exciting things about us uh, moving back to St. Paul to plant this church is that my parents live here. And so you can only imagine how excited my mom was to hear that we're bringing her one and only grandson back to, to Minnesota, right? So we moved in, uh, it's like a week before Thanksgiving. We have an awesome Thanksgiving, get kind of settled in. It's Cyber Monday, get a call from my dad. He says, Chris, mom died today. Totally unexpected, 62 years old, goes to sleep, never wakes up. He goes, I don't know what happened. The uh, medical examiner's on her way. I think you should come over here. So I get in my car, and I drive over, and with minutes, I'm staring at my mom's corpse on her bed. What do you think in that moment? What will you think in that moment? It's coming. By God's grace, the only thing I could think, <laughs> Jesus is sitting. Jesus is sitting. This too is under sovereign control. Chris, be at peace. Where do you need to hear that this morning? Are you standing before something that you just can't make sense of? Jesus is sitting. Be at peace. Are you, are you worried about what your next step is? Be at peace. Jesus is seated. No curveballs to him. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this, King Jesus has taken his seat at the right hand of the Father. That means mission accomplished, game over, stop worrying. This is the Jesus Isaiah sees. A Jesus whose reign is eternal, whose Lord over all, whose sovereign king. Okay, let's see more gets better, you guys. Let's look again. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Here it is. High and lifted up. Point four. We go because Jesus is exalted above all. He's exalted above all. This, this term exalted means he's, his greatness reaches to the highest vertical extent. It means Jesus is highest in amount, value, or size. 
It means Jesus is highest in rank, authority, and status. It means Jesus is far above all sky and galaxy and universe. Guys, it means he's higher than all spiritual beings. In, in Luke 10, Jesus' disciples come to him kind of impressed that they could cast out demons. Do you remember what he says? That does not impress me. I saw Satan himself fall out of heaven when he came up against me and I kicked him out. How did he do that? Because Jesus, not Satan, is high and lifted up. Not only is Jesus higher than all spiritual beings, he's higher than all human beings. Every form of human authority must bow at the name of Jesus Christ. The president and the senate, the house, the supreme court, governors, mayors, pastors, elders, teachers, parents, all forms of human authority are under the exalted name of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess Jesus is Lord. Do you know what that means? Kanye and LeBron will bow. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton will bow. Oprah, Obama, they'll bow. Your boss will bow. Your neighbor will bow. Your family members will bow. You will bow. We all will bow. We can bow willingly now and receive mercy, or we will bow forcefully later and receive wrath, but make no mistake, every knee will bow at Jesus. Every eye will see it, every tongue will say it. Jesus is lifted. Do you see why Isaiah becomes undone and says, here I am, send me. When we see Christ like this, guys, we'll cross the sea or we'll cross the street, we'll cross the office or we'll cross the ocean because we get gripped by the greatness of Christ. Is it clear to those around you that you are gripped by the greatness of Christ? Our motivation for our mission is seeing Jesus exalted above all. Back to the text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Look at it next. And the train of his robe filled the temple. We go because Jesus is full of majesty full of majesty, the train of his robe filling the temple. In Isaiah's day, when leaders would wear robes, the length of the train of that robe would communicate the dignity of that leader or how much that leader was set apart from all other leaders. Maybe you've seen the picture of Queen Elizabeth. I think I have it here. 
Mary and Prince Philip, um, that train was like a super big deal in that day. Because what's she communicating with that? Look at my royalty, right? Look at my dignity. Look how set apart I am from all other women in England. Look at that train. Look at the text. Now you tell me what it communicates when verse one says the train of Jesus' robe fills the temple. We have no idea how big the heavenly temple is, but to fit all the redeemed people of God throughout all the ages and the hundred million angels of Revelation 5, I think it's bigger than we can dream. So, so picture this with me. The train of Jesus' robe over the Atlantic Ocean and folding back over the Himalayas and folding back over and over until the only thing that Isaiah can see is the train of his robe. We're given this picture because language cannot communicate the jaw-dropping splendor of Jesus Christ. Have you seen this majesty? The reason believers throughout all the ages were so sacrificial with their lives is because they saw this majesty and this majesty became their treasure. And when Jesus becomes your treasure, everything else becomes rather easy to leave behind. We sing that, don't we? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his, what? Glory and grace. When Jesus becomes our treasure, we become infinitely rich and thus infinitely free to say, here I am, send me. Let's keep looking, Isaiah 6-2. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Oh my gosh. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Point six, we go because Jesus is holy. We go because Jesus is holy. What are these seraphim? No one really knows. <laughs> Seraphim, here's what we know. They're the closest beings to Jesus himself. The word seraphim comes from a Hebrew word meaning burning ones. These beasts appear to be on eternal fire as they reflect the unimaginable intensity of Christ's holiness. I'm running out of time, so let's look at the last glimpse. And I saw a voice, verse five. And I said, woe to me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Point seven, we go because Jesus is merciful Savior. Mercy flying to us. Mercy flying to us. Guys, I just wanna end with this, a final plea. Do what God has been calling you to do.
Step out in faith. Get gripped by the glory of Jesus Christ. The glory here of Isaiah 6. The the one who's eternal, who's Lord over all, who's sovereign king, who's exalted above all, who's full of majesty, who's holy, and who's merciful savior. He's the reason we go. He's the motivation for our mission. Let me pray and I'll send you to class. Lord, grip us this week, right now, as we go to class, grip us with the glory of Jesus Christ. May we answer the mission. Knock us over with who Jesus is and what he's done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.